listeners. Welcome to the Friendly Neighborhood Sports Show. It's been a couple days, uh, but we got a lot to talk about in these couple days. Um, I'm your host as always, Raj. Uh, and today we're going to, first things first, let's go over the, the obvious thing. Super Bowl just happened. Patriots won 13-3 over the Rams. Um, I knew the Patriots were going to win. I said that on the previous shows. Um, but my prediction was 24-20, which, you know, way off. But what I will give myself is the fact that, you know, if you look around, there's a lot of people that thought this was going to be a very high-scoring game. And 24-20 still, is still a, a, a high-ish number. But not in regard, nah, not in regards to like the kind of football we've seen all year long, the kind of football we've been seeing for the past couple of years. So I'm not gonna try to backtrack and say that you know, oh, I knew it was like no, like my my score prediction was wrong, which is why I don't like doing score predictions because anything could happen. What I will say about the game though is a couple of things. For starters, um, I said it, and this is and, and what we saw in the Super Bowl is what we've been seeing this entire postseason. And pretty much throughout most of this Patriots dynasty in general, which is um, nine times out of ten, the Patriots are walking into the game as the more prepared team. They had the better game plan. They're more open to to, to adjustments if need be. Um, I don't think there's any team better than the better than the Patriots when it comes to second half adjustments. But in this game, they didn't necessarily need the second half adjustments. Um, the Patriots were giving. The um, the Patriots were giving the Rams pretty much the ways to win. If you're paying if you're paying attention to the game, uh, but before I get into that real quick though, I, I'm I know there's a lot of people who keep saying you know that this was a boring game, it's a boring Super Bowl, it's a waste of time, yada yada. Yet, yeah, well, to you, the person who says that, you obviously don't watch football. Like, obviously, you're not a fan of the game. You're not a fan of the sport. Because for those who are fans of the sport, that was a very entertaining game. Yeah, it wasn't the most entertaining Super Bowl. It wasn't the most entertaining game all year. But it was not one of the more boring games. I mean, there was a time, you know, there was a time where people used to get blown the fuck out in the Super Bowl. Like, Cowboys would win games by fucking 30 by 30 points in the Super Bowl. Um and if you find that to be fun and not boring, then I I don't know what you're looking for. Like I'll like I'll admit, like I like to see my team win in a blowout. That's fun to watch. But it is boring. It is boring when it's completely one-sided and there's no back-to-back action, there's no friction going on, there's no conflict, nothing like that. The the Super Bowl with you know was it the Seahawks and the and the Broncos, when the Seahawks obliterated Peyton Manning in that you know, all star number one offense you know, all time. Um, that, you know, was kind of a boring game, because it wasn't just you know, the you know the Seahawks won ten zero. No, the Seahawks. One by, I mean, I don't remember the exact score, but I'm pretty sure it was by 30. I'm going to look it up right now. But that, and you know what I'm saying? So, like, for those who are saying that this was a boring game, you just don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Honest to God. 
you don't know what you're talking about. You don't watch football as much as the next guy. And look, that's fine too. That's fine. No one's, you know what I mean? Like that's 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 fine. You know, like forty three to fucking eight, bro. <laughs> forty three to eight, and that was the year where you know before that you know football fans kind of knew and analysts kind of knew that. You know, if you had a really good defense, then you have a really good chance. But that was the game. That was the Super Bowl that pretty much took the league by storm and kind of changed the outlook that a lot of teams had on how they can make it to the big games, how they can make it to these championships and whatnot. And it told these teams that, you know, yeah, you can have your franchise quarterback. Yeah, you can have, you know, your your, your all-star running back. Because that's, that's what the Seahawks had. The Seahawks had a franchise quarterback in Russell Wilson. Mind you, by then, you know, I don't think Russell Wilson is the is the quarterback is the quarterback. I don't think Russell Wilson was the quarterback then that he is now. He's nowhere near the quarterback he is now that he was then. Back then, he was a quarterback who was relying on his defense heavily. He could make plays on his own, but he was heavily reliant on his defense. Whereas now, this past year, his defense was good, but it was it was not great. It was him who was making the team win, um, and I and kudos to him on that. Um. You know they had, excuse me. Um, they had um. They had a they had a they had a, a very good lineup at receiver. You know they had their Marshawn Lynch and whatnot. I mean, they were not you. They were not the uh. Like this is a team that had you know Jermaine Curse back when Jermaine Curse was popping. They had Percy Harvin who, okay, Percy Harvin wasn't crazy good. But at that time, this was before he was looking at the retirement that he looked at when he went to the, I believe when he went to the Bills, you know, this was a Percy Harvin who was still going to the game as an X-Factor. I don't think he had played that entire postseason unless he played in that, the, the, the NFC Championship game before that. But I recall in that game going in there, that was, that was a big talk of the game. Um, but yeah, the game was boring because the defense was so dominant. This I went off track, but this 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 Patriots Rams game was a game where going into the game, like I, I'd already said it on paper, the Rams had every single way to win. They had the better receiving core. They had a competent system quarterback, not better than Brady, but competent, and he's he works in the in the, in the Sean McVay system. They had the better running backs. Arguably, when running backs are healthy, they had the better running backs. They had the better defensive line. They had the better defensive secondary. They had the better team on paper, but like I said, one of these teams in the Super Bowl were going to go in there more prepared. Excuse me, you watching the game, like watching the warmups. I was, I was sitting there, I watched the game with uh, my family, and watching the game, I, I one of my uh, my brother had mentioned, he's like, you know, Jared Goff does not look prepared, and it's easy to say that. It's easy to say, you know, oh that guy doesn't look prepared, and then next thing, but but next thing you know, you know. The game starts and he goes the first half with five touchdowns. You know, so it's easy to say that person doesn't prepare because we're not there. We don't know. We don't really know. For all we know, that's just that's just their game phase. You know. Um. I will say this: at the end of the game, th- throughout the game, I could see on the looks of the faces of this team, on the way the team was playing. Um, I don't want to say the way with with the way the, the the entire team all together started playing, you know, from like late second quarter on. It was very clear that this uh, this team wasn't ready, and they all felt that they that they didn't belong there. They looked like it. Let me not say that 
they they most likely felt they belonged there because they were confident in themselves, I assume. But from the from the viewers' perspective, it didn't look like they belonged there. The defense showed up early and did its thing for for the first couple drives. You know, they they didn't let they didn't let the uh, they didn't let they didn't let Tom Brady score a touchdown. They they picked Tom Brady off that. I believe it was the first drive they picked Tom Brady. Um, the defense was doing its thing, but like I said, if you want to, if they, if they were gonna beat this Patriots team, they needed to sack Brady four to five times. Um, and that in itself, depending on what team you're talking about, depending on what defense you're talking about, that in itself is 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 asking for a lot. You're asking for a lot to say, hey, can you uh, can you sack him, you know, four to five times? Um, and like I said, if it didn't happen, then they weren't going to win the game, and that's exactly what happened. They did. They couldn't get to. They couldn't get to the quarterback as often as they should have, and by result, they couldn't win the game. Um, and yeah, like you know, and and outside of that, Brandon Cooks, I mean, past two years, all he's shown us, you know, is that Brandon Cooks is a great receiver. Don't get me wrong; he's he's really good. He's a really talented receiver. Um, I put him also in that category that I that I've spoken about before with T. Y. Hilton and Tyree Kill and amongst others like a Robbie Anderson and stuff like that. Like um, Robbie Anderson, I kind of put towards the bottom of that list, but not in a disrespectful way. It's just Robbie Anderson is not that elite of a receiver. He's not he's not the guy who's he's more so the guy who's getting you the touchdowns, you know, fifty yards deep as opposed to the guy who's getting you you know however many catches a game to get you first downs and stuff like that. Um, but Brandon Cooks, I put him in that category with those kind of guys. He's super fast. He can make. He can. He can cut precise routes. Um, and he doesn't have to. You know, he doesn't have to body a receiver. He doesn't have to moss anybody. He doesn't have to go over top anybody because he's already beaten you on his route. Um, but he's shown us that in the biggest games, the games that matter most, um, in these past two years, he doesn't show up. Now, last year he did get knocked the fuck out. Um, but still, this year he played a whole game and had some drop passes. Um, but I do also blame this one on Jared Goff a little bit. Because if anything, when I look at that entire team, Jared Goff was the one who looked, at most, is the one who looked like he didn't belong there. And I hate to say that because I respect Jared Goff. I respect the fact, I respect his huge turnaround from his rookie season. Um, but honestly, you, you look at the team and you kind of say, well, maybe that's just John McVay. Um... In this game, there's a couple passes, and I said, I, "Look, I was, I was, I, my, my pick were the Patriots on the day of the game. I was rooting for the Patriots, um, but I'm not going to sit here and be biased. You know, it's the same way if I'm watching a Colts game. I'm not going to sit here and be biased. If I see something that the opposing team is doing better than us, or I see something that we're doing that we should be doing better at to beat the opposing team, I'll admit it. I'll call it where it is. Um, so even though I was rooting for the Patriots in this game." Um, like I said, there were, there were ways that the Patriots were giving the Rams ways to win, ways to score at the very least, such as if you, I think it's the third quarter towards the end of the quarter, Jared Goff has Brandon Cooks wide open for a very long time. Um, Jared Goff snapped, he's, and he's looking at Brandon Cooks the entire time. And he throws the ball too late to where Brandon Cooks is at the end of the, is at the end of the end zone. Where this, where the, the the defensive back is easily able to come in and break it up, but had Jared Goff thrown the pass at least three to four, three seconds sooner, which, you know, 
in football might be asking for a lot, but when you watch the play, when you watch the play and you see Jared Goff's progression in the snap, in not in the snap, in the uh, in the drop back to him finally throwing the ball, you can tell he had the time to throw it three seconds prior. And had he have done that, um, no disrespect to the Patriots, second or no respect to the Patriots, but that's a scoring play right there. And whether or not they that that gives them the fuel to tie the game or gives them the fuel to 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 do more than that. Um, at the very least, you you at least score a touchdown. You lose the game by three. You make it a closer game. Um, you make it a one possession game. Um, but that didn't happen. And there were other times that 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 kind of stuff happened. You know that I was looking up like I was looking up. There was an article that was talking about it about the way in which you know the 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 Rams kind of shot themselves in the foot. Um, the Rams on play action were very successful, much more successful than expected. Well, no, not not, not much more, much more, not much more successful than expected, but much more successful than you would think after watching the game. Um, because coming into the game, that was one of the things that they could have done. They could have used play, they could have utilized play action because that's something where the Patriots have kind of I don't want to say they struggled, but they are they haven't been too great against play action. And when they were using play action, they had some great completions. Um, when they were stretching the field out when they were spreading the field out and utilizing their two tight end sets and utilizing those two tight ends to help block they were giving Jared Goff more time and more availability and more openness to throw the ball where he wanted to throw it and to get these you know these 12 15 yard completions to Robert Woods or to whomever to Josh Reynolds and whatnot you know on top of that they didn't check the ball down enough I saw that as well they, they Jared Goff was sitting there waiting praying that Robert Woods or Brandon Cooks or Josh Reynolds or somebody gets open 10 years, ten yards down as opposed to checking the ball down to CJ or Todd Gurley, which is something that, that they've done very well throughout the season. Throughout the past two seasons, they've done, they've done very well, which is utilizing their running backs um, when they're right in front of their face of Jared Goff. Um, that's another way that they kind of fucked themselves over. But um, there's also credit to be given to the Patriots defense in the sense that they do something better than any other team, Something so they do something almost better than any other team, which is they, and I said it before, they take away your best weapon. They take away the best thing that you have on your offense or on your defense, such as, you know, they, they didn't let Aaron Donald get to Brady as much. They double-teamed him. They did not let him get to Brady as much. Um, when it comes to offense, they shut down the, 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 the possibility of, of Todd Gurley or C.J. Anderson having a field day. They shut that down, and now you you pretty much tell Jared Goff, and it's, you pretty much you don't even tell the team. You tell Jared Goff, go out there and be an all star quarterback. Which no offense, he's not. He is not that quarterback. He is not that all star. You know, um, go out, come from behind, and win the game kind of quarterback. Uh, even when they were undefeated, we saw too many times where they actually struggled against teams that they should not have struggled against, such as the Seahawks and whatnot. Um, so yeah, like you look at that game and it was very defensive. I liked it. I thought it was I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. Um and yeah, I mean looking forward from here out. You know, you look at that game and it I I, I tend to wonder. I tend to wonder because um part of me doing this show is to not only just recap because I could I could easily recap everything that fucking happened on the weekend. Part of I know that for, for myself, if I want to make this a thing for me to do this show, for me to do this podcast, I need to 
be able to create my own, you know, vision of what could possibly happen for the league, what could possibly happen um, in in the sports world. Um, and so in doing so, you know, of course, I got to come up with these for these takes with, OK, well, how do I what what can I say differently out of from from seeing this game? In my in my honest opinion, um, I was watching the game with a Patriots fan and he himself, my cousin, he himself said, I want Brady to win the sixth ring and then retire. Just finish it. There's no need. You don't have to do the seventh ring. Six rings already. Getting the five rings. I mean, shit. When Joe Ma- for Joe Montana to have had the four rings was already in itself something that seemed, you know, impossible for other quarterbacks to accomplish. Um, for you to have six, uh, you can kind of sit back and be comfortable with 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 your legacy. Now, personally, I think you know. I agree. But personally, I think, you know, it's we all saw the games this season where Brady did not look too good. You know, Brady, you know, he, he missed passes. He shouldn't have missed, you know. But I think what, what rests in Brady's mind and what's kind of shadowing that, what's kind of masking all that is the fact that prior to the Super Bowl game, because I'm going to get into why I think, you know, that version of Brady in the regular season resurfaced in this postseason in the Super Bowl game but the Chargers game and the Chiefs game which were two games where that old Brady needed to show up that that old Brady of gunslinging you know 300 and some yards this many touchdowns stuff that version of Brady needed to show up um the reason why I think it was uh masked when it comes when it was pretty much hidden his age and stuff like that is uh because of those two games, because of how well he played in in those two games. Um, when I, so, friends, we look we look at the Chargers game. Brady started off hot and did not stop. Um, he threw his touchdown. He 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 went off. Let me look. Let me look up this game just so I can have reference, so I can shout out some numbers and whatnot. But throughout this postseason, Brady's been very exceptional. The only game that I could, I'll, I'll say that he did not play well in this postseason um, was the the Chiefs game. But because he he, threw, he only threw one touchdown, threw two picks, had th- had thrown some yards. But um, arguably, it is because of Brady that that game was won. The way in which Brady was able to march down the field and win the game for them. So. I'll give him. I'll cut him some slack there. When it, I'll, I'll cut him some slack there when it comes to those two picks, um, but we're gonna look at this Chargers Patriots game really, really quick. Three hundred and forty yards, a touchdown. He spread. He he commanded the field. He went down the field. Yeah, you know, Sonny Michelle had his three touchdowns and stuff like that. But Brady really went down that field. He really, pretty much, pause, but really shoved it down the Chargers' throat. Pause. Pause. Um, but honest to God, like this is, this is a Brady who, you know, he went off in the postseason. He, he did his thing, you know, and he pretty much, he, he, I feel like throughout this postseason, he was trying to tell himself why he should stick around. Why should I stick around? Why should I keep with this game? I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, oh, the, you know, the running back did everything because I watched that game. I watched that Chargers game and I saw how Brady was able to, excuse me, how Brady was able to, like I said, you know. Just march down the field, get into the face, and pretty much give Sonny Michelle, you know, hey, look, we're on the goal line. Want to run this touchdown in? Because that's something that Brady has only had a few times in his career. 
Brady only a few times in his career, you know, for instance, when he had LeGarrette Blunt. That year, Brady could just easy, just, hey, LeGarrette, uh, can you run this one in? Yeah, here you go. Wow, look at that guy go. 15 yards, he broke five tackles. What a guy. Thanks, LeGarrette. I really appreciate that. You know, it's, it's, it's only been a few times that Brady has had that. Brady's always had a running back that he could rely on to throw it to check the ball down to and stuff like that, but it's not often that you see Brady with like with the kind of running back who can take, you know, 20 carries a game, 24, 25 carries a game. It's not often you see that for Brady. Um and I know that I know that a lot of people, you know, they they milk that cow. They 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 milk that story of, you know, oh, Brady has no help, but and I won't say that because Brady has had a, has had his fair share of help like other teams, but um Brady hasn't always had the running back help. Um, and so I feel like this postseason, Brady was trying to convince himself, I can't come back. And after this game, um, he, he said to the world that he can't come back. I don't think he should, though. Honestly, God, I don't think he should. For for starters, I have a feeling that Belichick is still going to, he's going to draft another quarterback this year. Um, and I'm interested to see what that does for Brady. Do they draft another quarterback and Brady looks at that and says, okay, well, I guess I got to compete. And then Brady jumps, you know, skyrockets and does his thing. Because um, that's, that's kind of what happened when, when they when they drafted Jimmy Garoppolo. That When they drafted Jimmy Garoppolo, it wasn't just because, you know, oh, we don't want to go sign a, 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 an, a, an old backup. We wanna... No, 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 it wasn't that. That wasn't what it was. It was them looking at Jimmy Garoppolo in, in, in college and saying, we can do something with this guy. This is a guy we don't have to, we don't, we don't, you know, this isn't a guy who's going to get drafted early. He's going to get drafted late. We'll draft him late. We'll put him behind Brady. We'll pair him up with the best coach and one of the best offensive coordinators the league's ever seen. And we'll teach him and we'll get him ready because we don't know how much longer Brady has. And Brady saw that as, okay, cool. Watch this, bro. Watch this, though. Wait, wait, wait. Watch this, though. Watch me go win some rings. Watch me go still be an elite quarterback. Watch me go still remain in the top five. You know, like, watch me still make it to AFC Championship countless times. Watch me still be the, 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 I guess you could say Darth Vader of the fucking league. You know, you show up and everyone's like, fuck, he's here. Fuck. All right, guys, put your guns down. What the hell, what are we going to shoot him for? He's got to deflect it. God damn it. All right, like he, like you know what I mean, like he's got that kind of presence in the league, and it's not that's not just me, you know, fucking, you know, waving my fucking white flag. No, 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 because um, it's not like Brady's never lost, you know. So I can't, you know, sit here and just oh, he's immortal. But there, he has proven time and time again, whether it's to the AFC or to the opposing NFC team that he'll be facing the Super Bowl. He's proven time and time again. You better bring all your chips ready. If you want to beat me, you better bring every single thing that you possibly, you better bring another Jedi who could fucking strike me down. Um, and, uh, but after this game, you know, look, I've seen so many Brady Bowls. I've seen so many Brady championship games. I've seen so many Brady Sunday night football games. I've seen Brady play so many limelight games is what I'm saying. Um, this, if anything, I'm not going to say it's the worst uh, limelight Brady that I've seen, but it's one of them. It's one of them. Um, but it's, it's, it's uncomfortable for me to say that because it's not like he lost the game. He won the game. Um, it's just the fact that 
watching the game, I saw the honestly this 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 honestly could have gone down similar to that of Seahawks uh uh Broncos. Not necessarily forty three to, to you know, to what was that? I think it said forty three to eight or something like that. Not necessarily like that, but Brady could have scored another ten points. And he could have made this game twenty three to three. And then I would have been on this podcast looking a much different, singing a much different tune, talking about how, you know, oh man, I, I was wrong. I, I thought it was gonna be a close game. It was a blowout. You know, then I could have been saying, you know, I think I think Brady's gonna Brady's gonna Brady's gonna be around here for another good five years. No, I think Brady He's gonna play next year. He's gonna play the year after that. But I think that I think then that's it. Um, I personally don't. I didn't like having to see Peyton Manning retired with with the look on his face, knowing that you know, yeah, kind of helped win this Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, kind of helped get us here because this was a Peyton Manning. You know, Tom Brady came as a Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, you didn't play your best season, but we, they didn't bet you for Brian fucking Hoyer. That didn't happen. You didn't get the treatment that, that Peyton had because Peyton played significantly worse than you did and got benched for a guy named Brock Osweiler who looks like a cheap version of Robert Pattinson. Pretty much is what happened. Um, that didn't happen to Brady. Watching that happen to Peyton was heartbreaking. For anybody who... You know, for any Colts fan who remembers the days where Peyton Manning was our quarterback, for any Broncos fan who, you know, bought their Peyton Manning jerseys the day that he got signed, you know, that was a heartbreaking thing. For any Ole Miss fan who remembers the days of Peyton Manning when he was the Ole Miss quarterback, when he was doing his thing for his for his couple for his couple of years, um, no one, I I personally don't want to see you know, Tom Brady have to go through that. Um, because, you know, I said Ole Miss. I meant, I meant University of Tennessee. I literally just looked that up. Um, my bad. But anyways, um, like I was saying, is I think Eli went to Ole Miss, I think. I think it was Eli that went to Ole Miss. Let me, let me, let me double check that because I want to correct myself. Yeah, 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 yeah. Eli, Eli. Anyways, sorry about that. I, I, I don't, I don't like going like, I don't like having a conversation. I know I was, not, I know I was wrong about something, because then I gotta go back. Oh wait, I was wrong about that. Let me, let me reiterate. Um, but anyways, University of Tennessee. You know, University of Tennessee fans remember those days of Peyton Manning and stuff like that. So yada yada. Well, I mean, older University of Tennessee fans because Peyton Manning is pretty fucking old. Um, but anyways, um, so yeah. Uh, when it comes to a guy like Tom Brady, a guy who's dominated the league for so long, yeah, maybe Jets fans and Bills fans and Dolphins fans, and maybe they want to see Brady retire with as a with with a, within a shell of himself. Um, but for any sports fan, for any football fan, you don't want to see that. And so, per, preferably, I'd rather fine play next year, but I don't think it's necessary. Um, but it's gonna happen. He's gonna play another year. Um, like I said, I feel like that. Like he could have done better, but not gonna knock that on him. They won the game thirteen and three, and that's what matters. Um, so yeah, so that's that's pretty much like my my recap of the Super Bowl, and my takeaway being from it being, for starters, the Rams. Um, this is not the this is not the last time we're gonna see the Rams in the Super Bowl, especially if, you know, this team. 
um, sticks together. And I mean that. I mean as in, you know, I got a feeling Dominican Sue's going to leave the team. But if they can keep him, that's fine. What I'm saying, though, is like, you know, as long as, you know, someone doesn't get, you know, oh, I don't want to be on the same if we're not going to win Super Bowls. Like, no, 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 relax, relax, relax. You're going to win Super Bowls. It's just not going to be right now. And that's fine. That's completely fine. Uh, the, the Broncos thought that they were, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure all Broncos fans were surprised when, because it? it was like two years into, uh, into the Peyton Manning era, and they're in the Super Bowl. And, you know, I guarantee you there were probably people in that locker room after the game thinking like, what the fuck, man? Like, how do we not fucking win? No one left. Well, maybe, maybe outside of Eric Decker. Eric Decker, Eric Decker eventually left, but, you know, that was a mistake on his part. But, that was a team that, yeah, they lost then, but relax. Like, you got one of the best quarterbacks ever, one of the, one of the best receiving cores ever. You got a defense that's building itself. It's getting there. Just give it some time. It's getting there. Just relax. Um, and I feel the same, exact same way about the Rams. Like, your offense is one of the best in the league. Even though you have Jared Goff, who he wasn't ready for this one, but he'll be ready in the future. But you have one of the best offenses in the league. You have... One of the best defenses in the league. You just got to be a little more cohesive and work together better, and be be better at planning planning it. Your coach is one of the best young coaches the league has ever seen. It's just he has to play smarter. He has to he has to know when you're coming into the, to the Super Bowl. It's much different than a regular season game where you're, where you're telling your team, "Hey, we're gonna do everything the same." It's different. You're playing a team that, like I said, is gonna prepare better than you are gonna prepare. So prepare yourself. You know, don't just come in here thinking that that you're gonna do the exact same thing to them that you did everybody else. Because let's be honest, you know, in this postseason, you play teams that are not as good as the Patriots, and you only won by a possession. What the uh, the the Cowboys game? You won about eight points. Yeah, cool. You, that's a touchdown to two point. But still, the Cowboys are nowhere near as talented as the Patriots. The Cowboys in that game would have done the same. They would they would have lost the same way you guys lost, if not maybe worse. Um, you beat the Saints in a game that, you know, a lot of people all week long were saying that you should not have won. And the way you play in the Super Bowl, it looked like that. It looked like you felt that way. It looked like you felt, it looked like you, you fell, you fell into the games that the Saints fans were playing and you believed them. And when they were saying that you don't belong there, because that's the way you guys looked. you looked like you didn't belong there. Um, and I hate to say that because you know, before, on the, the previous podcast, I was saying that I felt that that was unfair for people to say that. I felt that it was unfair that people were doing that to the team. I felt that, that you know, that they, they deserve to be there just as much as the next guy. Um, and I still do feel that way. I still do feel like they deserve to be there. But but the way in which they play did not look like that. Um, and so, you know, walking away from the game, you know, for, for, for Sean McVay, I feel like if anything... Sean McVay, I don't want to say he's the one to blame, but you made you made a mistake. Like you, you should have been more creative. Where was that Sean McVay that won Coach of the Year last year? Where was that Sean McVay who went undefeated for a little while this year before he played the Saints? Where was that Sean McVay who's put together one of the best offenses in the past two years? Where was that version of Sean McVay when you needed him most? And I said this before to my to one of my to, to my brother, and he he kind of disagreed. But I said, you know, it seems like Sean McVay can't win the big games. I said this in the regular season when they lost to the Saints. I said, it just seems like Sean McVay cannot win the big games. And he said, well, what do you mean he can't win the big games? I said, well, look at it. He, in the postseason, he, he lost his first game. 
you know, he goes undefeated and he loses to the Saints. You know, it's like, it's like, come on, like, what do you, you know? And he said, well, look, give him some time. You know, he's only been to the postseason once. Uh, you know, I think he had also lost to the Eagles, you know, last year. That was a big game. You know, that, I mean, yeah, like, you know, he, lost, he, only, he only, went to, only went to the postseason once, you know. This is his first time going undefeated for, for for this long of a time, you know. He's never faced a team like this thing, you know. Just give us some time, you know. And I agreed, and I was like, you know, you're right, you're right. Let me give us some time, you know. And then he, he goes into the goes into the postseason though, and you know he beats the 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 the, the Cowboys, but then you know in that Saints game it shouldn't have been that close. You know, you should have done better. Both Saints games should not have been that ugly. You know, the first Saints game was very ugly. You know, they were they were getting their asses whooped for the better part of the game. The second time they played him in the MC Championship, it was very controversial and much more aggressive and much more, you know, biting your teeth and, and biting your nails. It shouldn't have been like that. Excuse me, it shouldn't have been like that. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that they're the, the all-around better team, but it's the same way I look at the Super Bowl. should not have been like that. should not have lost by that. You should not have only put up three points. You should not have only beaten the Saints by, by what was it? I think it was by three, I think it was. You should not have, yeah, by three. You should not have, you know, struggled so much. You know what I mean? Why is your quarterback in the most opportune times, in the most in the most important times, why is he struggling so much? Why is he not able to get the plays done? Why is he not able to make the plays? Um, so many questions. Um, and so now, you know, in the Super Bowl, after the Super Bowl, you know, I, I kind of go back to that. It seems like Sean McVay just can't win the big games. Um, and I'm sure that he'll... He'll learn from that. He'll do better. Um, but moving forward, those are my takeaways. You know, Sean McVay did not was out. He was out coached. Like he he said himself, he was out coached. Um. Uh, Tom Brady did not look his best, but I'll give him I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. He did win the game. Um, and you know that 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 Rams team itself just needs work. Uh, moving on, I'm just, I'm just gonna be real quick with the rest of this because uh, that's pretty much the the bulk of what I wanted to get into. I'm at, right now I'm at 34 minutes. Um, Nick Foles situation. So, we had, we had already spoken about it. They they were picking up the option. So it seems like they picked up the option for the twenty mil, and uh, Nick Foles is expected to buy his way out of it by giving back two two million two million dollars, which I think is what they what they rewarded him. Um, for the for the for the percentage of snaps that he that he was in and whatnot. Um, so. He's gonna pay back the two mil, pretty much buy his way out, buy his way into free agency. At that point, um, the Eagles can then franchise tag him. Um, but pretty much, I feel like what the Eagles wanted to do, they wanted to give him the option. I feel like I went over this already in the previous podcast, but they wanted to give, pick up the option, and then trade him um, with pretty much the kind of price that any team that was signing him was most likely gonna have to give him. Let's be honest. Um, I don't think that teams are gonna be we're gonna be you know looking to offer him twenty mil, but I'm pretty sure Nick Foles is gonna be asking for that twenty mil. Um, but he wants to try free agency. I feel like they're gonna they were gonna want to trade him anyways. I feel like they're gonna franchise tag him and then they're gonna try to trade him with the tag on him. But that'll that'll, that'll make a heftier price. It'll, it'll it'll put on an extra five mil for teams that are trading for him will have to pay. Um, it's interesting because like I said, like I already said. Jaguars, Broncos are two of the teams that I think are most likely to whether whether it's free agency or trade. Those are the two teams that I think are most likely to be amongst the highest bidding for Nick Foles. Um, 
specifically because you know you you had the chance to either get some draft picks out of these two teams who have high draft picks, or if these teams are willing to trade you a player, which I wouldn't be surprised by. But if these if these teams are willing to trade you a player, you can easily say, well, we need defense. I need a defensive back. And those two teams, you know, they're they're, they're pretty loaded at that in, in their secondary. They can, I don't want to say they can sacrifice that. They can they can they can salvage that because it would put a damper on their team. But if if for me, if I'm getting rid of if I have one of the best defenses in the league and I got to give you a defensive back, but I have many, but I got to give you a decent defensive back. But in return, I'm getting what I've been missing all year long. I'm getting what I've been missing for the past two years, which is a true prime, well, not true prime quarterback, but a quarterback who can win big games. Well, now that's what I need. Cause the Jaguars, if, if it's not for Blake Bortles being a piece of shit, they're in the Super Bowl last year against the, against the Eagles. And God knows how that game would have went. Um, the 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 Broncos, if they have a better quarterback than Case Keenum, who can play all four quarters, who can put up more damage in the fourth quarter, arguably that team beats the Chiefs. That team can beat the Rams, which they you know were almost capable of doing in the season. Um, so yeah, I feel like those are two teams. I also what I didn't realize honestly, and I and I saw I I, I heard an analyst talking about it, and it actually it actually rung a bell. Uh, I don't I don't see the likelihood of it, but it rung a bell. Hear me out. The Minnesota Vikings are, are planning on signing Gary Kubiak to be an assistant advisor or something like that. It's pretty much advising the offense. Um, so he's pretty much going to be like right there next to the offensive coordinator and pretty much putting together offensive plays and schemes and stuff like that, yada, yada. You look at the quarterbacks who have excelled for a guy like Gary Kubiak. Matt Schaub. Um, the the short time that he had with Case Keenum, um, Peyton Manning, uh, you know, uh, Brock Osweiler, you know, these are quarterbacks who have a lot of similarities to uh, Nick Foles. Um, Nick Foles, if anything, is more similar play style wise to your Peyton Mannings and your and your Matt Schaub's and your and your Brock Osweiler's. He's a big body, very tall, um, not super athletic, but strong as shit kind of quarterback who can see perfectly down the field, has a crazy arm, crazy arm strength, and is rather accurate. And under the right scheme, under the right playbook, can excel. Um, we saw that when we see the difference between, you know, how he plays with Jeff Fisher and how he plays, you know, that... Like you know those that was it. I think he played like one game for the Chiefs under uh, Andy Reid. You know when he had a fill in for Alex Smith, or you know the time that you know obviously duh the time that he spent playing for the Eagles under Doug Peterson. Um, you see a significant difference between that quarterback under the playbook that works for him under the schemes that work for him as opposed to the quarterback that plays under the playbook of schemes that do not work for him with Jeff with Jeff Fisher. Um. And so I'm interested to see, like, okay, is that is that a possibility? I don't think so. I, I think they put too much money into Kirk Cousins to even listen to Gary Kubiak saying, "Hey, hey can we uh, can we sign a trade for uh, Nick Foles? I really think he'd work out with us." It's too late, buddy. If if this was if the, if if this was the if anything, and if anything, if they would have gotten. Gary Kubiak, you know, before signing, before getting Nick Foles, I mean, before getting Kirk Cousins, then maybe. But uh, even so, I feel like 
you know, they put their chips in on Kirk Cousins. And I, I mean, I'll be honest. I think with Gary Kubiak there to to advise the offense, I think it'll it'll do something for Kirk Cousins because Kirk because Kirk Cousins, you know, he does share those those traits similar to a Nick Foles, similar to a Peyton Manning, a Brock a, a Brock Osweiler when he was with Gary Kubiak, Matt Shaw when he was with when he was with Gary Kubiak. Um, he shares those similarities in the sense of you know, we, I'm not gonna say he's the biggest guy, but crazy good arm strength, can see down the field, can make the plays, um, and kind of like that field uh, general, that, that field general kind of mentality. You know, I, I don't want to call him the sheriff because that is a nickname designated to Peyton Manning, but you know what I mean. Um, but honestly, I don't see any other team outside of the Broncos and the Jaguars that make more sense for Nick Foles, whether it's a free agent or makes more sense for the Eagles to make a trade with. Uh, it makes sense for Nick Foles because bro, you, you mean we've seen it for the, the, the bet, the best, the, there are a lot of quarterbacks, whether they're mediocre or they're really good. They have their best seasons when they have a defense that can help them out. Blake Bortles is one of the most mediocre quarterbacks, you know, in the league. But last year, when the when when they were an AFC Championship team with the Jaguars, when they were when they were AFC Championship team, he didn't look too bad. He did not look too bad. You know, people actually had nice things to say about him. I knew he was a piece of shit. I knew that. I wasn't. I wasn't fucking. I wasn't fucking. You know, tricked by the by the. You know, oh my defense helped me out. No, fuck that. I knew that he was not a good quarterback. Um. But his defense was helping him out. His defense was making sure that he didn't have to be relied so heavily on to win the games. Um, if you give that kind of defense, that kind of that kind of team to a quarterback like how like like a Peyton Manning, like a Tom Brady, you know, it's scary to think what could happen if a guy like Andrew Luck had that for once. What if what if, you know, you give that to Kirk Cousins? You know, what if you give that to um well, look what happens when you give that to a guy like Jared Goff? Look what happens when you get that to a guy like Drew Brees, and you get that to a guy like, like um, I'm blanking on names right now. You, 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 but but you, you see what I'm saying? Like when you give a quarterback who, whether he's mediocre or he's really good, um, when you give that quarterback a top ten, top five defense, you mean you see Dak Prescott give him a top five, top ten defense. Suddenly they they don't feel like they had to go out there and oh fuck I gotta fucking win this game again Jesus Christ. What am I? I can't do anything. These guys have been shutting me down all fucking game long, and now my defense wants me to win the game. God, like you know what I mean? Like you don't have to force them in that situation. You can let the quarter, the quarterback come out and say, "Fuck, we're." St- I scored those fourteen points like a fucking quarter ago. We still, we're still up. Jesus Christ! All right, well, fuck it. Uh, what do you guys want to do? You know what I mean? Like it's kind of one of those things. Like should we should we just like put put more pressure on them? Just put up twenty, put up twenty one, like. Fuck it, let's go. Let's go put up another touchdown. Let's make it fucking twenty-one, fucking three, whatever. Like you know what I mean? Like you, you, you give the quarterback that leniency. Not, but is it? But, but the mediocre quarterback has less leniency than the quarterback like Nick Foles, who we've seen can, you know, get it done in these big games. Who you know under the right system can make it work. Um. My only fear is, do the Jaguars? And the Broncos have that system. Um, I think so, but I've also seen 
the Jaguars struggle for years about quarterback. I've also seen the 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 Broncos sign Case Keenum, who was expected to, you know, help change the identity, help change the outlook for the team, and it didn't really work that way. They went their shred their second straight season, no playoffs. The Jaguars, they stuck with the same quarterback who was there with them to get to the AFC Championship and went from AFC Championship to no playoff appearance whatsoever. Um, so it is scary, but I'm still going to stand by it. I feel like Nick Foles, yeah, he's going he's gonna to need the system. I'm sure whatever team he goes to, they're going to work with him to get him that system. But I also feel like he's learned over his time playing with Doug Peterson and having played behind Carson Wentz, sometimes even in front of Carson Wentz, playing with the receivers that he's played with and you know, playing with that offense and when I'm I'm sure that he's learned, okay, well this is how this is what I have to do on my own, yada yada. Um so those are the teams that I feel like are more likely. That's what I feel like is gonna happen. Um I was talking in the previous podcast that I feel like, you know, there's a good that there, there might be a chance that he might start the season. I'm kinda pulling back on that. Um I mean I for one wasn't always too sure about it, but more so now than, than before I'm pulling back on it. I really I feel like whether he gets traded or he enters free agency and gets signed by somebody. He's not going to be an Eagle next year. Um, it's going to, be, going to be interesting to see what the Eagles do then. Because, you know, let's face it, you know, the Eagles have, for the past two years, like I said before, Carson Wentz has been a little bit injury prone. What happens if next season he gets injured again? Who are you turning to now? You know, are you confident who you're turning to? Or are you going to force Carson Wentz, which I hope not, but are you going to force Carson Wentz to have to play injured? Um, and then, you know, for Nick Foles case, um, there was also the chance that he could easily get signed by, call me crazy, the Giants, you know, um, the Redskins, you know, I feel bad for Alex Smith, but I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if they're, if they're kind of thinking twice about Alex Smith for their future. If they're looking at Nick Foles and saying that's a guy who can be a very good insurance policy, um, that would kind of affect them then because now now you're just you're gonna have to pay a shit ton of money to get a uh, Alex Smith off your team, or you're gonna have to trade him to a team that's willing to pay him a shit ton of money after that very gruesome leg injury that you know could very well likely change the course of his career, change how he plays and whatnot. Um, but those are two teams that I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I'm just feeling more likely that he's going to go to the uh, Broncos or the Jaguars. Um, so we're going to go into MMA now real quick. If you, if you like, sense, like, a cut in, uh, yeah, there was a – I got a phone call, like, while I was recording, and it kind of, like, stopped the recording. But um, all is well. I figured it out. Um, so, But I'm not even going to waste time, though. Let me just get straight into it. UFC 234, uh, co-main event, Israel Adesanya versus Anderson Silva. It, it, let me let me just first say, you know, the card isn't crazy stacked, you know. Um, just to be honest, like the, the main, the really more exciting fights are the co-main and the main event. Um, uh, in the co-main event, you have Israel Adesanya, young, up-and-comer, you know. Well, not even going to say up-and-coming, he's ranked number six. This dude is a fucking animal, one of the best kickboxers um, in the MMA. Um, one of the best strikers in middleweight already. Um, there's a lot of comparisons being drawn, you know, between him and Anderson, who's got a fight, him and John Jones, stuff like that. Um, this Anderson fight kind of caught me off guard. I figured he would get somebody in the top five or somebody like within like, 
for somebody like either in the top five or just outside the top five, uh, I was shocked. But I feel like Dana probably knows he has a lot of young lions in this top in this uh, top ten of the middleweight that he doesn't want to, or at least cracking into the top ten of middleweight that he doesn't want to, you know, have you know biting at each other. He kind of wants to, and he knows that for Israel Asanya, you know, he knows that one day this guy's gonna be a champion. Why not just give him? you know, one of the biggest legacy fights. He can walk away saying that, yes, he did beat Anderson Silva. And I think Dana himself knows that he'll beat Anderson Silva. Um, and there's been those 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 things going on. Anderson Silva's been saying in interviews that Dana White pretty much guaranteed him a title shot if he beats Israel. I don't... I, I, I'm not, I would be surprised if Dana probably told him that. Dana, I don't think Dana's confirmed or denied it. I would be surprised if Dana told him that. But I feel like the only reason why Dana would tell him that is just to get him... Make it more interesting. Because let's be honest, if, if Anderson Silva just comes into this fight, even if he beats Israel, I feel like he's still two, three fight, two, like two fights away from the, from the title based on the, the way the top five is looking and based on the way Robert Whitaker himself is looking. Um, so I feel like that was kind of a... I feel like it's more likely that Israel Adesanya can get you know at least a fight away from a title shot after winning this fight. Because you're not going to give Anderson Silva a title shot immediately after beating... Number, after beating the number six guy after Jacare Souza just fucking knocked Chris Weidman the fuck out, who I believe is probably number two. Um, and Chris Weidman has a has a victory over Kelvin Gastelum. So you're not gonna give Anderson Silva the, the title shot over Jacare. If anything, you have Anderson Silva fight Jacare. If anything, the winner of this fight will, will wind up fighting Jacare, or Jacare will wind up fighting for the belt, and the loser of the title fight in the main event will wind up fighting the winner of Anderson Silva is Radasanya. It's a big mouthful, but whatever. I think Israel Asanya wins the fight, second round knockout. Um, moving on to the main event, um, Robert Whitaker, uh, Kelvin Gastelum. I don't see this fight being a finish. I don't see a knockout coming. It's possible if if it does happen. I would assume either midway through the first or some point in the third round, because either going to be just you know one guy gets clipped without realizing, without without seeing it coming, because these guys are two excellent strikers. Or, you know, after one of the one of them, one of these two guys, after getting hit so many times by the third round, just can't keep going and gets knocked out. But um, no matter which guy it is, I think Robert Whitaker walks away with the win. I think he's gonna apply more pressure on Calvin Gaslam. I think unlike Gaslam, he'll come in with a, with a with a actual game plan. I mean, not that not that Calvin Gaslam won't have a game plan. I'm sure he will. But I feel like Calvin Gaslam is gonna walk into this this fight, you know, feeling you know, okay, this is gonna be a striking match, which. I don't think it'll... Well, no, no, it is going to be a striking match, but I don't think it's going to be the striking match that Kelvin Gastelum or that other fans think it may be in the sense of a boxing match. I think it's going to be a striking match in the sense of Kelvin Gastelum wants to get it close and wants to land combinations, which is what he does really well at. Um, whereas Robert Whitaker is going to stay on the outside, you know, counter, you know, with some nasty kicks to the leg. I think he's going to approach this fight similar to how he approached the Romero fight. Just not as, just not as I guess you could say tentative. Not not as um. When he fought Yao Romero, he knew that this is the kind of guy who, with one shot, can knock you the fuck out. Um, and that's kind of the reason why he wanted to chop down the leg, you know, make him, you know, not let him be able to jump out at you off that leg as heavy as he would with with it being healthy. Um, you know, being able to launch those crazy strikes at him. This is a guy who he knows. Yeah, you know. Gaslam does have power in his left hand, but there's 
few guys in that middleweight division who has the power in their hands like Yoel Romero has in, has in his hands. So, but I think uh, Robert Whittaker goes into that fight, you know, looking to clinch a bit, but not too much, staying on the outside, um, and just looking for the for the for the pick'em shots, looking for the you know here we go, here we go, here we go, just looking to you know, looking to keep the fight going, looking to stretch the fight out, not getting tired, stuff like utilizing his cardio, waiting till you know it's those later rounds to where okay I'm gonna unload on you now, come and get me, I'm gonna counter, come and get me, I'm gonna unload on you now. Um, that's the way I see the fight going. Um, look, I could be totally wrong. Uh, Anderson Silva could knock the bullshit out of Israel Adesanya, and Kelvin Gaston could win a decision. Or Robert Whitaker could win a decision, and Israel Adesanya could win a decision. All I know is I just feel Israel Adesanya comes into this fight younger, hungrier, quicker than, than Anderson Silva. It's either a second-round knockout or a full decision. I'm leaning more so towards a second-round knockout, and Robert Whitaker is coming in as the champ. Um, in my opinion, the better striking, the better well-rounded uh, fighter. When it comes to his clinch work, his uh, his ability to stay on the outside, um, his ability to keep up with his opponent's striking, um, and his uh, his take down the fence, and I feel like he's got a. I don't want to say he's a better. I don't want. I, I don't see enough wrestling from either fighter, but I do. I would not be surprised if I see Robert Whitaker trying to take down Kelvin Gastelum in the late second, mid third rounds. Um, but he should not underestimate the power of Kelvin Gaslam's left hand. Um, simply because, dude, you're not, you're, you're no one, you're, you're not, you know, Robert Whitaker is not, uh, what the fuck was one I'm looking for? He knows what it's like to get knocked the fuck down and nearly get knocked the fuck out by a couple guys. Um, so with that chin he's got, I'm not saying that, you know, he's got, the, he's got, he's got a weak chin, but. He should not go in there, and I don't think he will, but he should not go in there underestimating the power of the hand and leaving his chin exposed and stuff like that. Um, but those are my, those are my picks. Uh, Robert Whitaker retains, and Israel Adesanya bumps up further in the rankings. Um, that's all I got for today, guys. Um, if I didn't get to go over the things that, that, that you guys wanted to hear me go over, I'm sorry. Um, if I did, cool. Um, until next time, thank you.